Greetings and welcome. It's episode number 13 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. David's Ward here with you and joining me for this episode is one of the most interesting hockey players I've had the pleasure of hanging out with, former Florida Panthers player and current sports agent, Serge Paye. Serge, thank you so much for sitting down with me today. David, it's a pleasure. Great seeing you. Great having me on your show. Um, I've always enjoyed our conversation, the exchanges over the years. Happy to be here with you. I want to jump into it at the very beginning because your hockey career, I mean, you've been playing pretty much your entire life, but a thrill for you as a teenager getting signed to an NHL deal. And right after that, right after Florida signed you, you received some of the hardest news that anybody could receive, um, getting diagnosed with uh, Dion Barre, which is something that I wasn't really that familiar with at all um, until knowing you. So what was that? I mean, 17 years old, right, was when you were diagnosed? I was actually, uh, I just turned uh, 19. Just turned 19. Okay, yeah. so you were signed when you were 17. Correct. Okay. So Or, or, or signed when I, uh, 1997, I had turned 18. Yeah. Close enough. Correct. So you're just getting your pro hockey career started, and all of a sudden, like, you wake up one day, and you can just tell that something's not right, and that kind of snowballed into something that, that almost cost you your career. Yeah, Guillaume Barre uh, hit me at the age of 19 as we communicated. Um, at the time, I was playing junior hockey in Kitchener. Uh, I was in my fourth year of major junior hockey, doing quite well. And in, in a young man's um, mind, in a young man's body, felt like I was in the best physical shape of my life. Uh, I was very, very active as a young man. I was very hard on myself. I was very demanding on myself. And I was striking with Guillain-Barre syndrome, an autoimmune disorder where my body's immune system attacked the peripheral part of my nervous system. I lost feeling in my legs. I spent... Uh, That's numerous... so scary. Yeah, right? As a young man, you, you kind of think that, you know, uh, life is something we take for granted or oh, our, yeah. our health at least. You're invincible when you're a young person. Yeah, at least that's the mindset. Yeah. And as a junior player, uh, succeeding, having fun, performing, um, and then all of a sudden, something like this, uh, it was uh, it was strenuous on on me as a 19 year old as I was out of hockey for a year. Spent numerous months in the hospital. Learned to uh, be patient, uh, listen to my body, uh, learn to walk again. And fortunately, through a phenomenal support group with family, friends, the Kitchener Rangers at the time, I had signed with the Florida Pan Panthers. The great Brian Murray was very supportive as a general manager with the Florida Panthers. The great Chuck Fletcher, the great Bill Torrey uh, of the likes were, were very, very supportive with, uh, with letters and visits. And in, in due time, I, I recovered. I trained hard and I was fortunate to get back on my feet and achieve a lifelong dream of playing in the National Hockey League. Your hockey career kind of took off a little bit once you got back on your feet. And once, I mean, it, you know, it's a phrase, but I mean, almost literally got back on your feet, got back in your skates and you're able to get that going again and eventually making it up to the NHL. Like how gratifying was that to not only make it to the NHL, which is amazing enough on its own, but to overcome such obstacles to get there? Yeah, um, living the dream, right? As a, as a young man, um, you, you strive to play in the National Hockey League. And then at the age of 19, I'm striking with this to the point where physically, it's just not physically possible anymore. And, and the thought of um, taking your time, 
going through uh, a specific schedule, um, reading it day by day, um, being obedient to that schedule, uh, and I guess some good luck in between, uh, some good timing, um, performing at uh, a good a good rate at at the appropriate time when the Panthers are not doing well, and finally getting a call up in my first pro season. Uh, your first NHL goal was something that I really thought was awesome because you grew up just outside of Ottawa. You happened to get up to the Panthers, as you're just saying, and then they're in Ottawa, and you get your first goal. Family and friends are watching. I mean, what were you like, 20, 21 years old at the time? I mean, how cool must have that have been? Yeah, a little bit of a uh, of unwritten movie at this point, right? right? Where you know you you grew up being uh, at the time as a child a Montreal Canadiens fan growing up in, in, in Rockland in, in Ottawa and then older in my teenage years the Ottawa Senators come on board so I grew up in, in my young adolescence life adolescent life uh, appreciating the Senators and playing at home against the Ottawa Senators scoring a first goal was was pretty spectacular that's really neat and you know your hockey career you were with the Panthers for a few years some interesting years with the Panthers for sure uh, one, one thing you shared with me that I did not realize was you were actually on a line with Pavel Bure, which, you know, you're kind of like the hardworking guy, you know, out there killing penalties, bouncing around the boards. And then you've got Bure who doesn't really think of any of those things. You just think of scoring goals and skating fast. <laughs> fast is an understatement. Yeah, correct. Pavel Bure was, uh, was quite the, the athlete. We were fortunate enough to have him in the early 2000s. Um, again, Brian Murray had acquired his rights in a trade um, with uh, Jovanovski at the time. I remember reading about that trade on the bottom line of ESPN. That's how we got news back then. That's no right. internet, no Twitter. I was like running around my house. Hey, oh my God, we just traded for Pavel Murray. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, you know, it was one of those things where we wouldn't be in a rebuild at the time with the Florida Panthers signing such a, a prestige athlete. We had a lot of good, solid players uh, Victor Kozlov, Marcus Nielsen coming in from Sweden, the veterans like the Sillingers and the Rob Niedermeyers, the Ray Whitney's, the Robert Svella, uh, the Dan Boyle was just on his yeah. on his way up. The Melon B was Erickson, a big part of that. The Ole Jokinens, Roberto Luongo, and that right. We we had a phenomenal a roster. Scott Mellenby, our team captain. Yeah, like we're talking about some some really key components to a potential very special team. Uh, Dennis Schwitke was a Panther for a first-round pick. Um, you know, we had a good potential team, but for unfortunate reasons, we just weren't winning enough hockey games. And when you don't, you know, people lose jobs. Uh, people that are maybe on a bubble might get an opportunity. People that are secured in, in spots are either traded. And I was one of those guys that was a bubble player. And changes were made, and you know, from one night to another, I'm on a fourth line, back on a first line or a second line for a period of time, just because coaches wanted to mix it up. And uh, to your point, yeah, I had the great pleasure to to play with uh, Pavel for a short time. Well, you bounced around. What you were on a line with Burry that year. You were on a line with Oli at one point. You said you were on a line with Peter Worrell at one point. So that must have been just like hard to wrap your head around because how many different roles are you asked to play and back then you know you're so young you just want to go out there and do whatever the coach asks you mm -hmm. yeah and, and you know what maybe a credit to our, our, our management staff and coaching staff that were able to maybe maybe see that because I wasn't the most skilled player uh, I wasn't that um, naturally gifted top six forward I was 
a player that could play up and down a lineup uh, and perhaps, you know, do well if given the opportunity because I was physically ready and certainly committed. Uh, yes, Ole was a, a line mate. Um, Peter Worrell was a line mate. Um, you know, I, I was I was fortunate to to play with almost everybody in that lineup, <laughs> including uh, the Igor Larianos, who we talked about earlier as well. In his brief um, brief tenure with the team, correct. So, you know, as I look at the the team roster over the years, uh, I, I I think to myself, man, I, I played with pretty much on that roster that particular year, or another particular. I played pretty much with anybody on that roster too. <laughs> Now, one thing I wanted to ask you about was I know towards the end of your career, you ended up in the DEL in Germany. And I, I've spoken with Billy Lindsay about because he played over there too. And it's just, he describes such a different, I don't even atmosphere, just like it's the way that they kind of set you up with everything. And I'm, I'm trying to come up with a word for it, but I mean, you lived it. So how would you describe it? You know, as, as North Americans, we tend to focus on the NHL, the AHL on a pro level. And on an amateur level, we look at major junior and NCA or now so the USHL and, and then you kind of are limited with your understanding of pro hockey in Europe or even amateur hockey in Europe and I, I guess the easiest way to explain it is every hockey country in Europe will and have their own elite hockey team right uh, or I should say elite hockey league yeah. And major cities, whether you're looking in, in, in Germany, uh, the Munichs, the, the Mannheims, the Berlins, the Dusseldorfs, will have their own hockey club that play in the DEL, which is the number one league. They'll also have a, uh, a farm system that play in the DEL2 and so on, DEL3. Uh, they've built such organizations, phenomenal development programs. It's the same thing in Switzerland, in Austria. Yeah. Uh, in Finland and Sweden. So every country there versus the continent here in North America is going to have their own league. And um, it, it makes it for uh, great opportunities for, uh, of course, the Europeans that grew up in those countries because young elite players can usually tend to play in those pro leagues at an early age oh, yeah. and play against men. Um, A couple of them on the Panthers right now, Sasha Barkov. He played overseas pro. Uh, Dennis Mulligan played in the Swiss Elite League before coming over. So, you know, there you go. Correct. For, for those guys that are very elite, have very nice opportunities because of the, I would say, greater opportunities for the local players, right? Um, it, the different leagues in Europe operate under different import rules and specific leagues um, are beneficial for their non-import players to help develop the local players. At the same time, there are great opportunities for import players, players that are not from those particular countries to go overseas and continue their careers following their ECHL or AHL or NHL careers. This is an area that you've kind of become a bit of an expert at in your post-playing days career because now you represent a lot of young players, many of which are in North America, but as we were talking about before, some of them are overseas and you're helping make the jump over to the NHL. Well, hopefully the NHL, but into the NHL draft. Yeah, correct. Um, correct. We're we're a international sports agency. Our company is Unlimited Sports Management. We have an entity here in North America, which I manage, and we have an entity in Europe, which my associates manage, uh, Patrick Piloni, Peter Casper, and so on. Ultimately, um, you know, a great a great leg for us to to have in our in our own team umbrella 
to do the links between players that are leaving North America to go to Europe or vice versa, Europeans that are coming here to North America for opportunities. To the draft, correct. We've got some really nice young uh, players eligible for the draft this Yeah, that year. was going to be my next question. Like, Is there anybody you know that you're keeping an eye of with the draft just a few months down the road now? Yeah, this year, um, to name a few, um, the likes of Marco Rossi. He's an Austrian-born player, right? Coming in from a non-traditional hockey market. Yeah, not many Austrians. No, cor- correct. Over the years, right? You've got the the likes of of, of Grabner. You've got the likes of of Raffle, which um, uh, uh, Patrick Piloni and Jerry Buckley with our group uh, manage. They're two great Austrian players. Marco Rossi is a young player we 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 brought over to the Ottawa 67s just a couple years ago where we knew he had the skill set we knew he had the abilities and the, and and the the physical attributes to play at at the NHL level eventually uh he's come over here he's leading the Ontario Hockey League in scoring right now at the age of uh, 18 he's a late 01 uh he's highly ranked and in my opinion is a franchise uh, player other Austrians, you've got the Timo Nickel uh, playing in Drummondville, who's also a late 01. Um, you've got uh, Benjamin Baumgartner, who's an Austrian player playing in Davos in the NLA, uh, having a, a ton of success, also eligible for the draft this year. Hmm. Um, you've got the David Meyer in Peterborough. You've got the Julian Pyre um, also playing in the NLA in Switzerland. You've got Asena Peters, for example, who's playing in Halifax, originally from Belgium, but who we assisted in getting his Austrian pass, competed for the Austrian national program this year. He's also an NHL pick for this June's draft. You've got the Sam Dubay, who's a German player, who's played at the academy in Salzburg for years, uh, playing with the Moosehead in Halifax as well. Um, you know, to, to name some of these strong European players playing in typically non-traditional hockey nations right. that are taking advantage of those development programs at a young age, some of them coming over here, uh, competing um, at the major junior level, uh, some over the years at the USHL level, um, and some, of course, taking advantage of their status as European players playing in some of those respective uh, countries and uh, elite leagues in Europe as well. Um, How do you go about like procuring as an agent? Like, because these are all you know teenagers, and as you described them, playing literally all over the world. How do you, as an agent, like find them, sign them? And this is like something; it can't be very easy. No, correct. You, you know what? It, it's one of those things where we, as an agency, our staff, uh, we tend to stay focused with the players that are very deserving. Right? We want to work with people that are very deserving. What is that description? That description is pretty long full, but the type of person that is one, number one, very loyal, two, very deserving in a sense that they are willing to put in the type of work that we're willing to put in the type of work right. for them. Not going to waste your time. You're not going to waste their time. Co- correct. And that goes a long ways when you're recruiting players at young ages, right? And whether they're 13, 14, or 15 years old, um, there's a lot of uh, work. There's a lot of um, relationship built that needs to take place over the years. As I mentioned, you know, there's not a country in Europe or here in North America that we, hockey country that is, that we don't cover. You know, I mentioned Pat, who's in, in, in Switzerland and Austria. I mentioned Peter, who's in Austria. I mentioned Thomas, who's in Slovakia. I mentioned Peter, uh, that's in uh, the Czech Republic. 
Timo was in Finland, also covers um, Sweden. You know, our group covers the Russian market, the Belarusian market, and uh, Mathieu, Jerry, and I covering here the North American market. Um, we, we've got it... Uh, uh, pr- pretty well done un- under control kind of thing that's kind of fun though because it's almost like scouting right in a way at the at the very beginning you're you're recruiting uh talent you're establishing relationships i'd like to consider myself a, a people's person a relationship kind of yeah, guy yeah you're all right for me <laughs> hockey's a passion i've got something to give back one for the game that's given me so much I'm passionate about the game. I think I, I, I can give back and help enhance the development of young players that are trying to achieve what I once wanted to achieve. And uh, ultimately, um, having the control of working with people that you want to work with versus people that are, you have to work with is, is something that I take a lot of pride in. So that, that pretty much uh, covers that. But that gives us an opportunity to get back into your playing days a little bit. And so you had the nickname Serious Surge. Why were you called Serious Surge? Because like, you don't really, you, you know, you're a very fun, happy guy, very positive, which is one of my favorite things about you. But I, you know, I, can, I can see where you can kind of buckle down and, and, you know, work hard. But Yeah, you know what? Um, I was given that nickname by a gentleman by the name of Steve Bancroft, who's a 20-year, who's a 20-year pro career left-shot defenseman who had the great pleasure and respect to build such fond relationship with um, Steve played with the Binghamton Senators. He's played a long time in the American Hockey League, a former first-round pick of the Washington Capitals. Uh, gave me that nickname in Binghamton in the early 2000s. Um, we, we developed a good bond. And you know what? I think it was one of those things where during my career, as I alluded to, um, you know, I, I, I needed to put in the time to be ready when those specific roles were asked upon. And part of that was my commitment to fitness. Um, And, you know, there was no way that anything, whether it was a distraction off ice or whether it was a uh, distraction to take me off my routine, that uh, I would bend in my playing career. Um, And perhaps Steve gave me that nickname for those particular reasons and being so serious in what I did. But ultimately, that's... I guess part of my upbringing and my mother and father making sure that I work hard and can achieve anything that I set my mind to. Now, pre-game rituals when you were playing, like, did you have anything crazy that you did personally, or did you notice any teammates over the years that did anything that was just you know oddball or crazy off the wall? I guess I'll stick to to, to the personal stuff. I, I was I was very committed to my dynamic warm up. Right, I was very routine oriented. Uh, I stuck with what worked, whether it was eating um, the same meal the night before the game or eating the same meal the day of a game. Uh, I stuck with what worked with me. I understood my body and I respected it and it worked for me. I can appreciate uh, being very routine oriented. I get it. Trust yeah, me. Oh, yeah. It's hard when you get thrown out of your way. Especially as a, as a father uh, today, <laughs> right? And you, you, you know to that, uh, being a great father yourself, David, it's... Routine in life is very valuable for somebody that is, one, either very committed to their work or, of course, very engaged with something they do at work. And it's certainly helped me in my playing career and certainly helping me today as a, as a sports agent. Now, one of the things that I definitely wanted to ask you about, just as we went down the list of guys that you played with throughout your career, who are some of the best leaders that you were with in, in different locker rooms? What a great question. That's a loaded question. 
Um, I, I was very fortunate to play with a lot of great leaders. Uh, I'll go back to, you know, the Scott Mellenby, who's our captain with the Panthers back in 2000. Uh, I just remember Scott being very vocal, but he was one of those guys that was vocal and was ready to back it up, right? Whether a message needed to be communicated or a message needed to be proven on the ice, he was ready to do that to benefit the team. Very unselfish player who's now with the Montreal Canadiens and assistant general manager. Of course, we communicated of the Igor Larionovs, um, the Roberto Luongos, the Ole Okinens, uh, the Roberts Vela. Talk about a man of steel who never missed a game. Um, the, the Ray Whitney's, the Rob Niedermeyer's, um, and the Victor Kozlov, who, who led in a more quiet way, but led appropriately with their actions, who worked extremely hard and were very committed to not cut corners. I spent a little bit of time with the Ottawa Senators and the Daniel Alfredson in Ottawa. He's one of the better leaders that I've ever played with. The Wade Reddins, the Zanetto Chara, who's still playing, Mr. Iron Man. Uh, you know, the, the Chris Phillips, who led by example, the uh, Mike Fisher, for example, the Brian Potiers, uh, the Marion Osa, and just icons and people that pe people look up to. Um, in my later part of my career, when I came back to, to Florida, you've got names like the Joe Newendikes and the Martin Gillen. Yeah, Gary Roberts. The Gary Roberts. Um, you know, some some pretty phenomenal, iconic players. The Anders Ericsson. Uh, we can talk about Ole or, or, or Peter, but these are also guys that led in their, in their own way in very great ways. The Stephen Weiss, who kind of, you know, came in near the end of my time here with the Panthers, but that learned the ropes very, very well, very rapidly, and were able to, to be successful in their own way. Another thing, uh, you played for quite a few coaches throughout your career, but do any stand out that were particularly like inspirational or that, that touched your career in a certain way? Yeah, uh, you know what? I, I owe a lot to, to my parents who were very committed to giving me and putting me in positions to succeed at a young age. Um, that said, I, I moved away from home at 15 to play with the Kitchener Rangers. My first coach, coach was Jeff Ward, right, who's now the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Um, Jeff was very instrumental in my understanding of hockey. Jeff is a former high school teacher. Right, passionate about the game, made a career in coaching, and Jeff for me was very instrumental in the X's and O's of the game and understanding why things are done certain ways on the ice from a teaching standpoint, from a motivational standpoint, from understanding why we do specific things and understanding that process and understanding the transition from an amateur player to a junior player and the commitment you need to make to get to the next level. Um, the Brian Murray in management, who was so passionate in his statements and in his belief in you, for example, he communicated that very well. The Chuck Fletchers, who was also very honest and something I always appreciated from him in sitting down with you and taking the time to say, here's where we're at with you. Here's where we need you to be. Here's what we need you to do, what we need you to do. And here's the time frame that we feel that you may need in the American Hockey League and then here. Um, very honest, which as a player today, you appreciate that uh, dearly. Um, the Terry Murray, the Dwayne Sutters, uh, the Jacques Martin. And Jacques Martin I had in Ottawa and I had here in Florida, um, who were also very instrumental in enhancing my understanding of the game, 
Um, for me, I owe a lot to these guys that not only uh, helped me become a better player and understand what needed to be done, but a better human being. Uh, the John Torchetti, who I had the great pleasure to have in San Antonio, who believed in me, who communicated, believed in me, and in in turn helped me enhance the confidence that I had in myself to get back to the National Hockey League and achieve that once again. As a goalie myself, I've got to ask just, or, you know, obviously you mentioned Luongo, but any kooky, crazy goalies you can remember, anybody doing anything silly or just any, you know, really any fun goalie stuff that you can think of. I mean, you got a smile on your face right now, so I'm wondering like what's popping in your head. Yeah, well, you mentioned Louis. Um, you know, and I've, I've always enjoyed uh, the relationship I've, I've built with Roberto Luongo. Uh, to say his name today is, is quite a popular name to use. And, you know, to go back 20 years, just when he came in from the New York Islanders, he was just a young pup, a fourth overall pick, uh, drafted from by the Islanders with Ole Okunen and traded to the Panthers with my uh, Oleg Kavasha and Mark Parrish trade, where yep. at the time... You know, trade. everybody thought that the Islanders won this trade, right? You've got goals, you've got dynamic scoring with Kabasha and Parrish. And just within a few years, everybody realized, wow, the Luongo and the Jokinen were really the, the winners for the Panthers here. And it just shows you a little bit of patience in young, phenomenal talent, such as in Roberto and, and Oli can really enhance the development and growth of an organization. Roberto, a story... You know, when he was single, him and I hung out a lot. Uh, we'd, we'd go to the beach on an off day, and uh, I don't think I've been to the beach with him ever since he's been married. He's, oh. a, he's, a, very, he's a very committed uh, man, now retired, uh, loyal uh, husband, father, and uh, just one of those iconic figures uh, that I'm very fortunate to have played with and got to know over the years. I mean, for for a guy, I mean, you know, you can relate. You know, you grow up in in Canada, and then you end up making a life for yourself here in South Florida. So it's an interesting dynamic to switch it up. Yeah, you know, and and there's a lot of us that have played here through the Panthers organization, and I've just stayed here for whatever reason, right? Whether uh, people like myself in 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 sports management, or I should say, as independent contractors on on their own and finding their way. Uh, or others working for the actual Panthers organization or working for the actual um, Minor Hockey Development Association with the Florida Panthers. Uh, Florida has given us a lot. The Panthers have given us a lot, and it's great for us to now either continue to work in the game or in the community, uh, give back in that vicinity. Um, but ultimately, um, the the Panther weather, I think, as uh has certainly kept a lot of us uh, here following our careers as the winter months are, are quite are quite nice. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad, right? I, I, could, I could sit here as we're sitting in the office and, you know, for example, tonight the Panthers are playing at home. Um, we'll be picking up the kids from school. We'll have a nice family dinner and we'll walk over to the Panther game, right? Uh, I've got some family in town and what other city can you possibly do that? None, right? Especially it, it, in you know, middle of February. Correct. Um, it's it's just a, a lifestyle that you 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 get to get very comfortable with. Uh, for me, in sports management, winter season is hockey season, and it's very convenient for me to also, you know, jump twenty minutes on uh, five ninety five east, jump on a flight, and whether I want to be west, whether I want to be north, or whether I want to be in Europe. Uh, it's very, very convenient 
Yeah, the Fort Lauderdale Airport, the Miami Airport. Yeah, offer a lot. Everything happens for a reason, right? And here you are. Correct. And the Viola family has been great with uh, uh, valuing the alumni group. So for us, uh, through Randy Moeller and his engagement with the Panthers Alumni Association, the Bob Goldsteins, you know, it's it's an additional reason to want to be a part of the growth of the Panthers. Well, we'll leave it there, Serge, because I don't want to take up too much of your time. But thank you so much for sitting down with me and just opening up a little bit about your career and your life. And really appreciate it. So thank you for that. Well, I really appreciate you as well, uh, David. I wish you all the best with your Panther season, your, your young family. And uh, thank you for having me on as well. Much appreciated and hopefully not the last time. That's going to do it for episode lucky number 13 of the Chirping the Cats podcast. Uh, from my guest, Serge Pai, David's work once again. Thank you for listening. Please let me know what you think on Twitter. Give me a good rating. Subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll be back with another episode real soon. Take care, everyone.